Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Sunday, fun day here, May the 2nd, 2021. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. Today's episode, I'm going to run through this amazing uh, article, which is published originally back in 2007, which probably seems like... 8 trillion years ago um, to a lot of you guys and even to me. Uh, seems like that was a while back, but this is a great piece that is going to come out on our newsletter, uh, at least snippets of it, and it's um, titled Americans, Overfed and Undernourished by John um, Ickerd, if I'm not butchering his last name, but I'll uh, put it in the show notes so you guys obviously can see it. If you're in our newsletter, you're going to see the pieces that I took uh, and obviously, you know, crediting him. Um from the original piece, again, which came out in like March, April 2007, on uh, sustaining people through agriculture um, in small farms today, I believe is the original uh, document. But I'm going to dig into that and share a couple of stories, obviously, right off the, the bat when we kick in. But a reminder, you guys, this podcast is brought to you by my homies at Beam CBD. If you guys are watching on YouTube, you see this nice Beam Lululemon hoodie they sent me. Uh, BeamTLC.com. Again, this is the CBD product I take every single night before I go to sleep. I find that I go to sleep quicker and I do not wake up nearly as often as I used to unless I have to pee because I drink about two gallons of water a day. Uh, you can always use the code Jeremy Scott to get 35% off all subscriptions, 20% off all products. And uh, I do take the Dream product to sleep. It has uh, 20 milligrams of nano CBD, melatonin, theanine. Heather uses the, uh, the salve for soft tissue stuff. I've heard people say it does wonders for inflammation. I take it for the sleep. I don't think I suffer from chronic inflammation, but... Who knows? I think I would feel it, honestly, at this point. So if you guys are interested, uh, you can hit me up. Again, the site, beamtlc.com, or we can send you some free samples if you want to try it. I got about 300 free samples of the beam uh, powder here. It actually is like a little like cinnamon uh, chocolate mix. There's no calories in it, really. It just has the cinnamon and the, the cocoa flavor in there, which is nice. And you just drink it before you go to sleep, like a little warm tea, and then uh, out you go and wake up feeling like a rock star. You're not hungover. There's no groggy feeling. There's no THC in it, so you won't get high. But uh, I do find it helps with sleep. So if you guys are interested, obviously hit me up. I'm happy to share that with you. And then also the podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the one something I take every single day. I can't eat 10 to 12 servings of green vegetables, it's just not going to happen. I'd be too bloated and gross, and it would cause so much digestive havoc on my life. And so I eat what I can uh, within reason, whatever my body can process, because I never want to not feel good. I just I, I can't be productive if I don't feel good. And sometimes eating like a pound of Brussels sprouts is just a bad scenario. My wife's not going to have sex with me. I'm not going to want to work out. I really, I can't do anything that I really like to do. So I do take Athletic Greens, and it helps cover the gaps in my nutrition, especially in the days where I can't eat a huge variety of fruits and veggies and everything else. And so it's simple. I rip it. Uh, I take a travel pack. I throw it in a little shaker bottle, and I slam it. I'm good to go. If you guys are interested, you've heard me talk about it a million times. Right now, we have a deal with them, uh, the site, athleticgreens.com forward slash Jeremy Scott, where you get a year supply of free vitamin D, which we all need to be taking, with the K2, and they're going to give you five free travel packs with your first order. And literally, it's just, it's nutritional insurance. If you guys are like the normal Americans where we are overfed and undernourished, this is a great way to cover the gaps in your nutrition, making sure you're getting probiotics in there. You're getting enough vitamin B. You're getting enough zinc. You're getting enough biotin. You're getting all the things that your body needs to 
A, help you have more energy, but really make you feel your best and keep things running smoothly so you avoid being sick. To me, the greens are, they're not as sexy as a pre-workout, obviously, because you take a pre-workout, your face is on fire, and you're all amped up. That's not what this is. This is what you don't feel. You don't feel bloated. You don't feel like shit. You don't feel run down. You don't feel like you're always going to, you know, get sick. You're building up your immune system through proper vitamins and minerals and the micronutrients your body does need. And if you're really on the fence and you're, well, Jeremy, I'm not sure. I don't know how it tastes. Hit me up. I'll have Monica send you a pack right to your front door. I don't care what state or country you live in. It is the best tasting greens by far. I have never had anybody buy it and say, you know what, Jeremy? It's fucking terrible. You lied to me. I don't do that. We, we could work with a lot of companies, you guys, and make a lot of money doing a lot of bullshit, and we do not do that. And so I believe in these guys. We know all these people personally. So if you're interested, athleticgreens.com forward slash Jeremy Scott for the year supply of free vitamin D and the travel packs or hit me up for a sample and uh, we'll get rocking and rolling. Now, on to today's episode. Admittedly, I am tired. And I know I say that a lot, but I work a lot. And I do a lot of stuff, and I feel like there's not enough hours in the day, and today is definitely one of those days. I uh, went through this Sunday Metcon here with our people today, and uh, the workout itself, what did we do? It's, um, see, my brain is garbage. You can already tell where I'm at. We did a 500-meter row, a 500-meter ski, 30 push-ups, a 150-yard run, and then a 100-yard sled push. And the rogue sleds we have weigh 100 pounds. We did that four cycles through. And as I rode it, I kind of know like what the time's going to be. I put the time cap at 40 minutes, and it took me about 39 minutes to complete. Uh, a lot of the people here uh, didn't quite make it, uh, which is understandable. This is not uh, not easy by any means. But I remember I, we rode it. We stuck it up here, and uh, my man Dennis looks at it. He's like, oh, it doesn't seem that bad. And then, like, obviously 10 minutes in, he's like, yeah, this is starting to get real bad real quick. It's the uh, the volume game always. When you do it in small increments, it seems like it's more digestible, and it really is. But it, it can be uh, deceiving, most definitely, and that's where I'm at today. You know, taste a little bit of a taste a little iron in your mouth, a little bit of that scar tissue in your lungs breaking up, a little bit of blood. Uh, you know, moving around the body, if you will. But uh, we went through that this morning, and then uh, one of my really good friends uh, that I grew up with. Uh, he's in town uh, doing some stuff, and I haven't seen him in well over a year. He's part of uh, the Nopturney, uh, you know, the guys I grew up with playing sports, like we all played basketball or football or baseball, uh, you know, in college and those things. And uh, he showed up today, uh, gutted through the workout with us, which obviously, you know, he's walking into a buzzsaw. So he gave it, uh, gave it the old college try. And he's, you know, really fit for being that far removed from, from playing competitive sports. And, uh, I'm going to share, you know, part of his last year here because I think it's important. And I always touch on perspective and uh, and gratitude and understanding where you are at in the world and, and how how good you probably have it, but don't even really realize it. And I'm not a I'm not a comparison fan. Uh, you guys know that, but we naturally do it um, in life, and I, and I don't think it's great because it either makes you feel good because you're putting someone down or it makes you feel like shit because you're, you're elevating someone else. And sometimes when you're playing sports, it just is. That's apples, you know, to apples. Either, you know, that's why I like things that are hard and things where you can't hide, right? Like if you play golf, you, you can't really hide. Either you're good or you're bad. 
there's nothing you can't you can't bullshit a golf ball on the golf course even if you cheat it's just like you know either you're hitting it or you're not you know either it's on the fairway or it's you know in the sticks i like these kind of things where it just is is you versus you and in the real world of life though it, it doesn't work that way that's why i'm not a a fan of like oh well so and so looks like we don't ever really know the truth and obviously 2020 i think was a uh a dumpster fire shit show year for all of us, myself included, uh, my wife, uh, you know, family members, you know, of mine. And then obviously like, you know, things that I just couldn't do. Like I couldn't go see my friend who came in today, who I haven't seen for almost two fucking years, which is really sad. And it's really nice to, to come in, you know, high five, bro hug, and just chop it up and bullshit about all of the things that, you know, we grew up doing in like his year, uh, in my year and all the things that come together. And for him to actually see this place, like as he walks in, he's like, how the fuck did, did you end up doing this, right? Like, because he knows me from the little knucklehead I was my whole life. And to walk in and and see this place that we built and the memories and stuff, it, it's pretty cool. And, and I'm, I'm proud to be able to share that with these guys. And uh, obviously, as awesome as, as my life is, I have my own, you know, struggles, whether it be, you know, physical health and, and mental health and relationships and all the normal stuff you guys deal with. But I do feel like I have an obligation because my life is so much more relaxed and seamless, or at least I have some control where a lot of other people don't. And I've been dealt, the cards have been dealt, and a lot of people got shittier ones. And obviously him and I have wrapped a little bit, uh, you know, throughout the year, but like most people, like we'll text or do like, you know, Instagram DMs and, and share stuff. Usually it's just bullshitting and stuff like that for him to come in here today and share with me that is um he has a child um with a female and uh you know they're basically you know doing the 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 co-parenting thing um and they're you know together not together it's not my you know not my thing to to understand how relationships work i I can can barely understand my own but uh they're together and then they have a kid and she has a brother who got into a terrible car accident um over a year ago, and who basically um, had a real, you know, traumatic brain injury, a lot of bodily injuries, where at this point, you know, he spent the last part of the year, you know, basically taking care of of this, of the brother who is in a wheelchair, and uh, can't do a lot of normal human functions uh, themselves, like go to the bathroom, um, eat, uh, the, you know, short-term memory is, is basically gone and he's, you know, taken on the role of being, you know, a parent basically to this, this grown man who's, you know, kind of connected to his family because obviously, you know, he's smart, he's capable, you know, he can, he can help. And so that's the role that my friend has been playing. And, uh, for him to come in here today and share with me like, Hey man, I, you know, we, you know, we take him to PT appointments cause he's doing physical therapy four days a week. We're taking him to occupational therapy because he's doing things, you know, to get the dexterity in his hands back at occupational therapy. He has um, a speech therapist because obviously the brain injury has affected, you know, how he speaks, how he talks. And he's like, you know, and we've been doing our part at home, taking him through like, you know, finally trying to get him up out of the wheelchair. Can he do some semblance of like, you know, three-fourths of a bodyweight squat? Can we get him to use the bathroom on his own? But we're feeding him and trying to work with him on not just like the, the cognitive things, but the physical tools as well to hopefully get him back to being, you know, a functional adult, adult in society, you know, from going to where he was, you know, wearing a diaper for multiple months and now to, you know, graduating to, you know, almost like a bedpan and then hopefully graduating him to go to the bathroom. 
But this is a friend of mine who went through 2020 just like I did with the uncertainty and the weirdness and all the things and all the shit that's going on in America and then get gets dealt this hand as well. Michael, hey, by the way, like your life wasn't tough enough as it is. Now you're going to have to basically take care of another, you know, grown adult and, and teach them everything from the bottom up. And this is not his, you know, blood family. This is just somebody that's obviously in his circle. But that's the kind of person he is, that he's taking it upon himself. And he's like, and he said to me today, he's like, well, fuck it, I'm in it now. I might as well see this thing through so we can get this guy back up and walking and talking and hopefully moving. And he was sharing with me how they've reached all the benchmarks that uh, they thought was going to happen. They, they've superseded them, if you will. So they said, you know, with brain injuries, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty people don't know. And he said he's hit all the benchmarks that they thought he would be at. That's how bad the accident was. And the crazy thing was, um, this guy used to live here in Phoenix, actually. And the accident happened, you know, not super far from where I'm talking right now. And they, you know, had to kind of relocate their life. Now they're back in Minneapolis and they're taking him through all the things that they have to do. And he's telling me this and, you know, he's handled it, you know, I'm sure, but the stress is put on him and, uh, and his, you know, significant other and their kid, because it takes attention away from their child because they're dealing with this, thing in their life and uh I've seen he's a teacher by trade so obviously he deals with this at home all day and then goes in and teaches middle school kids bless his heart because there's no fucking way um I could do either of those things I don't think I think people give me a lot of credit from the outside listening to me but I don't know man um I guess if you had to you had to but it just seems like that's a lot to chew on uh and I was sharing with him I'm like you know I thought last year sucked I thought last year wasn't fun I had days where I was just sad and I felt weird. And what the fuck do I got to complain about? You know, like I'm here. Yeah, I can't do exactly what I want to do. And it's not as fun, but I'm still making money. I'm super fit. I'm healthy. I'm safe. My wife is the same way. You know, we got good friends. We got family around like we own our home. Like we're in this really w rare position that very, very, very few people are in. And yet this is one of my really good friends chewing on this by himself for a year. And, you know, to see the card he's dealt dealing with that and taking, you know, ownership of this and being the person he is, it's pretty, it's pretty fucking amazing. And it's really inspiring. And um, I feel for him because you can see the weight of it. Uh, you know, you can feel it in his voice. You can hear it. And uh, I give him all the props in the world, man, because it takes a very rare human, you know, to step up and do that. And make those sacrifices in your life for somebody else. And your hope being is if it happened to you, they would do the same thing. And to sit here this morning, you know, after we trained and sit here with him for an hour and just, and, you know, catch up on everything. It just brings me back to a podcast we've talked about before. It's about the luxury problems. And I, you guys have heard me say this before, you know, if we all threw our problems uh, in a pile and we saw what, everybody else was dealing with we would probably sprint back in and grab our shit faster than you think because you see like wow um i thought this was an issue and i'm not trying to downplay anybody who's listening you have your own struggles with your family and friends and and everybody else but there's a lot of people out there dealing with a lot of real shit and i i'm sharing this story from the perspective of my friend who's basically become this caregiver of this person now imagine you're the actual guy who got in the accident. You're just a 30-year-old dude driving to work one day, and boom, 
everything fucking changes. You're a normal, functioning, high-level adult. You have a job. You have a career. You know, you're running. You're talking. You're doing things. You're living as free as possible. And now it's like you're relearning how to use the fucking bathroom. You're relearning how to talk. You're relearning just how to just move your body and try to be, you know, essentially you're an infant again. It took you all the way back to score one and you have to relearn how to do everything and how frustrating that much must be. How depressing and, and how painful and, and how sad and how big of a giant mountain that must seem like. And I, and I couldn't even imagine. Like I can't even, like I try to think in my head, but I have no reference point. There's nothing that I could even compare that to of how insanely hard that would be. And the reason I share that is not to like depress you guys whenever you're listening to this. But just step back for a second and see all the things you're spending time, effort, and energy on. And see if they're the most important things. See if those problems and those issues that are, you know, driving you crazy or keeping you up at night or stressing you out or, you know, giving you anxiety, are they real? Like, are they real things or could they be things that really at the end of the day don't fucking matter? Are they things that you could let go? If you're worried about getting a certain kind of car, does that really warrant you being super stressed about it? If you want to do certain updates to your house or live in a certain neighborhood or, or, you know, have this many square feet, is that really something you need to be stressing about? If so-and-so has this and you don't have that, if if so-and-so got that opportunity but you didn't, is that something you really need to be tripping about? When there is real struggle and tragedies in the world and that, you know, odds are at some point something like that's going to touch you, whether it be something like this or a loss of a family member or something that is super traumatic. I just share it because a lot of us bitch and whine and complain about our current, you know, situation or state that we're in. And oftentimes they're just, they're luxury problems. They really are. The things that we, uh, we, we get mad about, oh, man, you know what, I, I want to get my pool redone, but it's going to take an extra 45 days. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, we're, we're literally bitching and whining about that, and I'm not saying it isn't a problem. I go, but you're complaining about your pool being redone. Or like the new, the 1,500 square foot addition on your house. I can't believe they're taking so long. This is the worst thing ever. Is that really the worst thing ever? The fact that you actually have a home and you can actually expand on it and make it even bigger than it already is, that's the worst thing in the world. It might be an inconvenience. It might suck. It might be a pain in the ass. It might be, you know, some semblance of a problem, but you're not relearning how to go to the bathroom. You're not in a fucking wheelchair. You're not relearning how to talk and how to walk. And these things are happening every single day around us. But when you don't have perspective on where you rank in the world of the 8 billion people, you get wrapped up in the little shit real quick. And you start playing this comparison game and this, oh, poor me, and then everything is an issue and everything is a problem. And I share this because doing what I do for a living, getting to talk to so many people from not just in person here, but all over the planet, and all the messages we receive, and all the friends that I've met over the years, it is very humbling. And it's one of the things that brings me back down to earth if I ever, you know, even try to take a a step off of it for a second. Because you really get to start to see and hear and listen and be like, oh, fuck, man. You know, I got it pretty good. And sometimes I'm tripping about the littlest shit. And again, not to downplay anybody else's issues and the things that you have going on in your life. But sometimes when you hear certain stories 
of what other people are dealing with and chewing on, it just lets you know like, hey man, it's probably going to be okay. And the things that you think are the absolute worst in reality, they're not. And you're going to get past them, you're going to live through them, and they're going to work themselves out. And just know there are real stories of struggle and heartache going on all around you every single day. And uh, just, you know, take that for what it's worth and, and just keep as much perspective as you can on the world and, and where you're at and, and what's going on and have as much, you know, fucking gratitude in your life as you possibly can every single day where you wake up and you can see and you can hear and you can breathe but because you guys got two eyes and two ears and two arms two legs two lungs and you can run and you can jump and you can move and you can grow and you can think and you can speak and you communicate because a lot of other people can't and there's going to be someone who doesn't wake up the same day you did and would just they would do anything to wake up and live one more day. They would do anything to wake up and be able to see and to hear and to jump and to exercise and to message friends and family in a very thoughtful, mindful way. And you have that ability. So don't let these little luxury things and, and, and shitty moments in your life steal joy from you and rob you from this time where you are healthy and you are cognitive and you can talk and you can do all the things that so many other people can't. So I just want to share that as nothing to do with uh, this article whatsoever, but I thought it was important and sometimes it's just nice to hear a reminder because we can all get caught up in our own bullshit uh, now and then and I'm not immune to it either and uh, I just I snap back into it faster than most I guess is what I found over the years but today's article again this is called Americans overfed and undernourished by John uh, Eckerd and uh, it was published uh, in sustaining people through agriculture in a column um, from Small Farm Today. And this is March, April, about 2007. And we have touched on this before, but I'm going to kind of go over in detail just to drive home the importance of eating real food and eating things that nourish your body. And that's why we part do partner with like people like Athletic Greens because they're giving you 75 whole foods, vitamins, and minerals in, you know, one simple supplement. So you're trying to just, you know, ensure you're giving your body what it needs. And I found this over the years. We live in a time where you can buy 5,000 calories for five bucks and behaviors are so different than they were even a generation ago. Like when my dad would go to McDonald's, it'd be maybe like once a month as like a treat for the family. And you'd get like a hamburger and some fries and like a small drink and that would be it. And it's just a little ass hamburger. Well, I mean, probably the same size there now, but it's just a hamburger and like a little fry. And like a little soda. And that'd be it. Or if they went for pizza night, it'd be like once a month. Not every week. Not three times a week. And we've gotten to this, again, I'm going to go over the article in detail, but we're so sped up and we're not making time to feed our body the things it needs to be successful. And that's where the title of the article comes from. Like, especially in America. I'm not giving every other country a pass, but I want to speak on America because I'm an American. Overfed and undernourished. Americans are the most obese people in the world. Americans are the most obese people in the world. According to the CDC, adult obesity has increased 60% within the last 20 years. Trends for childhood obesity are even worse, having doubled for children and tripled for adolescents during the same time. One third 
of American adults are now considered severely overweight and obese. Obesity is closely linked with other health problems, particularly diabetes and heart disease, which ranks... Ooh, this was... See, this is how crazy this is, right? Okay, so this article was back in the day, and they're talking about um, smoking deaths in Americans. But now, obviously, as you guys know, diabetes is a huge rampant problem, and heart disease is the number one killer of people in America. Heart disease kills, if I'm getting the stats right, someone can fact check me, I think it's six about 650,000 people uh, a year die from heart disease in America. That would equate to about one person every 36 seconds dying. And that comes directly linked, obviously, to obesity. Because Americans are the most overfed yet undernourished people on the planet. And the epidemic of obesity is obviously related to the American diet. And I'm not saying it's the be-all, end-all, but it is a huge is a huge piece, obviously, of this puzzle. And it's easy to blame, uh, you know, obviously, the, the, the sedentary, you know, high-stress American lifestyle, which is a significant factor for sure. But even more important than, obviously, our high-stress, sitting-on-our-ass lifestyle is the lack of essential nutrients in many of the foods we are eating today. Because we're eating a lot of calories, so we're overfed, but there's not as many vitamins and minerals in them, so we're undernourished. And that's what I mean by that, is you're overfed, you're eating too much, but not enough of the right things. There's a growing number of scientific studies that are finding significant declines in the nutritional value of our foods. The dramatic drop in density has occurred during a period when American farms were under pressure to specialize in getting bigger and producing more food for cheaper. That's my whole problem with a lot of this is that all these things are businesses. The whole world is a business. If anybody who is listening doesn't understand that, everything is a business. Your government is a business. The farming industry is a major business. Healthcare is a major business. There's certain numbers and metrics they have to meet to be sustainable and keep everybody paid and keep things moving forward. That's I don't want to you know get on this conspiracy tinfoil hat shit, but there's a lot of money in keeping people not super healthy. There's a lot of money in keeping people sick. There's a lot of money in keeping people addicted to certain things. And you can listen and be like, oh, Jeremy, I, it's true. I don't, if you believe something else, like I can't even, I can't convince you otherwise if you you have that belief that you don't think there is people profiting uh, millions and billions of dollars off of keeping people kind of uneducated and uninformed and like kind of this, you know, sick pattern of life. Because if everybody was super healthy, a lot of these industries and pills and companies would completely disappear. If people stopped, I think of the same thing in terms of the finances in the financial world, if people stopped leveraging so much debt, a lot of these industries and jobs would completely disappear. But that's for a different podcast altogether. So if we're talking farm policy, it's always been promoted to taxpayers as being necessary to provide food security. And the USDA defines food security as access by all people, all times, so there's enough food for an active, healthy life. And food security, however, includes food quality, as well as the quality of affordability. If food isn't nutritious and healthful, as well as available and affordable, it will not ensure adequate diets for all. Unfortunately, the emphasis on food security programs through the USDA 
including its farming programs, have been on food quantity rather than food quality. Now that's the problem. We're focusing more on the quantity of the food we can produce as opposed to the food quality we can produce. And the agency admits its concept of food security is not adequate to ensure healthy diets. But places that have most of the burden for food quality are going to fall obviously on consumers, the people actually sticking the food into their mouth. And I do think on a side note, we do have an educational gap in uh, in what is healthy and what's not healthy and we should do a better job of teaching that, obviously, in schools, whether it be, you know, all the all levels, elementary, middle school, high school, and college. Because the reality is most people don't know shit about real food and what's good for you and what's bad for you. And there's just a lot of misinformation. And, again, I, I'm not, I don't have a solution for school, but I think we learn a lot of shit that we don't need to know. And we don't learn a lot of the shit that we really do need to know. Now... During the 1930s, the USDA farm programs were justified, you know, as a means of keeping farmland in the trusted care of family farmers who have very personal reasons for maintaining fertile, productive use of their land. And at the time, farmers produced much of their own food, and most non-farm consumers obviously were their neighbors, so the people that lived in the community. And as the populations, you know, tend to become more, I guess how you call it, urbanized over the years, the price uh, and the farm income support programs were promoted as a means to stabilizing pricing to ensure dependable, affordable food supply for all. So the key is they need to make enough food for everybody, but how can we make it obviously affordable too? And more recently, the emphasis of the agriculture policy has shifted from domestic food production to the reliance on the global food economy. The emphasis is on enhancing agricultural exports, but the underlying assumption is that the international trade will make food more abundant and affordable to Americans. Meanwhile, there's evidence that continues to grow that cheap food is abundant in calories, but deficient in nutrients. For example, the problem of obesity and diabetes are more common among people with lower incomes who logically tend to seek foods provided the cheapest source of energy, meaning the most calories for the fewest dollars. Because of, obviously, time constraints, many super busy people also rely heavily on high processed foods, ready to go foods, fast foods, and things that you can just grab and run out the door. And such diets, people tend to easily end up eating far more calories than they need without getting nearly enough nutrients that the body needs to obviously continue to be healthy. This is the example I've given over time where you can go to insert whatever fast food place and get 5,000 calories for five bucks. Great deal. Great deal money wise. Not good health-wise. Most normal adults who are even exercising 30 minutes a day are not going to be able to run through 5,000 calories. They're not going to be able to burn 5,000 calories off, especially if shit processed food. Um, you know, calories, calories, different discussion. But you're not going to be able to, because here's the thing, you're going to eat that. It's not going to be the only time you eat for the day. Most people are not just driving through whatever fast food chain, eating their 5,000 calories, in one meal and then eating nothing the rest of the day. And even if that's all you did and you drink water the rest of the day, took all the, the proper supplements, it's not enough nutrients for you guys. And odds are you're probably going to eat multiple times on top of that. So now we're in this huge calorie surplus, hence obesity, hence diabetes, hence heart disease. It is just one big trickle-down effect. So if we continue here, when livestock are offered uh, a variety of foodstuffs containing a variety of vitamins, minerals, and other nutrients, 
most will naturally select a healthy balanced diet. When offered a premix feed containing food quantities of the same nutrients, they tend to consume more of some nutrients than they need, apparently trying to meet their minimum requirement of others. If we as humans have the same basic tendency, whenever our food choices are limited, we'll tend to consume more of some nutrients than we need because we're not getting enough of others. In other words, a lack of a nutrient balance in our diets will leave us hungry even though we are consuming far more calories than is consistent with good health. Many Americans may be obese, sedentary, and stressed out because they are starving for nutritional substance in their food. The food quality matters. I don't know at this point. You can't even argue it. That's why anytime I post something uh, on my IG story or if I throw food on Instagram, I always say real food hustle because I try to always eat real food whenever I can. Uh, I'm not saying I don't you know, drink a beer here and there or do something outside the norm. But it's more about how I feel, obviously. But every day I wake up and I'm like, what macros am I putting in my body? And what vitamins and minerals am I getting? And, and which ones do I need? Which ones are most important and vital? And which ones am I missing through food? And how, if I can't eat them through food or I can't eat them through food consistently, how can I supplement them to make sure my body has enough you know, essential proteins, has enough essential fats and has the vitamins and minerals I need to have, you know, healthy hair and skin and nails and a digestive tract and all the things that I think are important. And most Americans are not going to do that. There is one prominent academic study which compared nutrition levels in 43 garden crops, and this was back in 1999, with the levels documented in benchmark studies conducted by the USDA in 1950. The scientists found declines in the median concentration of six important nutrients. So testing foods from like a 50-year time frame, they found a decrease in things like protein, calcium, iron, riboflavin, vitamin C. While these essential nutrients may be lacking in, in most foods today, they found an abundance in foods were grown naturally and organically on productive soil back in the day, which now you're seeing less and less and less, almost like an, an eroding effect. And a 1983 study comparing conventional foods with organic foods found that organically grown apples, potatoes, pears, wheat, sweet corn purchased um, over a two-year period averaged 63% higher in calcium, 73% higher in iron, 118% higher in magnesium, 91% higher in phosphorus, 120% higher in potassium, and 60% higher zinc than conventional foods purchased at the same period of time. So what they're saying is the organic foods had a higher concentrate of vitamins and minerals overall, according to this study. Now, there's other studies that establish clear links between the declining nutrient density and the industrialization of American agriculture. One such study found that yield-enhancing technologies, fertilizers, pesticides, uh, plant density, and irrigation reduced the nutrient content of field crops by the amount generally consistent with declines in the nutrient density over the past 50 years between conventional and obviously organic crops. So what they're saying is the organic stuff is the way to go if obviously you can afford it, which gets us into the same issue of you know food sustainability and affordability for all people. Now, obviously the results here should come as you know no surprise to anybody who understands the industrial agriculture profits primarily from you know quantity factors acres farmed um, head produced yields per acre uh, rates of gain the cost efficiency of large-scale production 
Quality factors affecting price typically are incidental to profits and often relate to the cosmetic appearance more than the nutritional appearance. It's kind of cool. Um, this is all interesting stuff. Again, you guys are seeing this. Like, it's a huge business, and it's not saying you can't eat well if you don't make a lot of money, but you got to be really mindful and you got to really pick and choose and what's going to be best for you and your family and your household and obviously your needs. But it seems only logical that in industrial agriculture would tend towards selection of uh, crop uh, varieties, livestock breeds and production systems that rely on organisms having fewer and larger cells and that are mostly filled with water. Organisms with smaller cells tend to be more nutrient-dense because they contain more cell walls and are formed from a variety of nutrients extracted from the soil and from the air. In addition, conventional crop production relies heavily on three basic elements, nitrogen, phosphorus, and is it potash? P-O-T-A-S-H? I'm a moron. I can't read. And all these things, uh, which is the most common uh, you know, commercial fertilizer, if you will. And while these elements are obviously adequate to support high crop yields, they may not be adequate to produce crops containing a wide variety and diversity of balanced nutrients, which are found in healthy, natural productive organic soils. And this is what we're talking about, the nutrient density of food being basically eroded over time because of mass producing stuff and just pumping out as much shit as we can and not doing it in these, you know, naturally productive, healthy, organic soils, which I think if you can obviously buy organic, you buy organic. Even after adjusting for, let's say, the moisture content, less nutrient-dense foods appear to be cheaper and more profitable to produce, hence the business that we are in. Regardless of this line of inquiry, uh, it would appear that the potential fertile ground for continuing to research into questions of food quality and nutrition. We don't know... I guess I'll put it this way. I don't think you guys need, like to me, to read 100 studies or need a mountain of evidence to conclude that food quality has been compromised in pursuit of agricultural productivity. Meaning, the more stuff we produce, the bigger scale, the more mass stuff, the more the quality of the food is going to decrease. And, you know, the world should care about the quality of the food. And shouldn't be so just wrapped up in, oh, how can I get the most amount of food for the cheapest amount of money? Because as the saying goes, sometimes you get what you pay for. And this is what you're putting into your your car. This is what you're putting into your house. This is what you're putting into the one place you're going to live, your body. This is your house. This is your car. This is your everything. And if you're going to spend, you know, 3000 bucks to get a you know an outdoor couch at West Elm, you should be able to spend the money putting quality food into your body. That's what I'm saying. I'm not judging anybody how you spend your, your money, but that's what you value. You know, live in a cheaper house. Drive a shittier car. Wear your clothes longer. But put good stuff in your body. It's the most important thing you can do, in my opinion. Now, obviously, the food processing and distribution industry, it has to share some of the blame here. The corporations that market foods are concerned about profits, not diet or health. Even the ones that say diet on it or health on it. I, I don't want to be this person, but man, the corporations are not concerned about you. They don't give a fuck about what you're doing and how healthy you are. They want you to just buy as much shit as possible and consume as much as humanly possible. They're worried about making money. To the CEOs, 
to the C-level suites, to the, everybody who works there, uh, to the if they're if they're publicly traded, obviously to the stock prices. They're worried about profits, not your diet and health. There's some good companies out there for sure, but at the end of the day, most of these, the big boys, is business. They're trying to make money. In fact, the managers of like the multinational corporations that are currently in control of the American food system have a legal fiduciary responsibility to maximize returns to their shareholders. If you don't understand that, you guys, you really need to look behind the curtain uh, for the Wizard of Oz, right? I'm going to repeat that sentence again because I think it's it's super powerful and it's important for you to hear. These giant food companies, they have a legal fiduciary responsibility to maximize return to their stockholders, meaning their number one thing is to make these people money, however they need to do it. And if you're telling me once your livelihood and you're talking about millions and, and millions and millions and sometimes even billions of dollars, you're going to see people do shady shit because their livelihood depends on it. It's, just, it's survival of the fittest, right? They're always going to look out for themselves before they look out for you. And again, I'm not saying every company. There's a lot of good companies and people we work with for sure, but there's a lot of shit ones out there. Hence, the state of what you know most Americans are in. Because they have no social or ethical commitment to protecting the public health and instead do only the things required by law. They do the bare minimum. And current laws are clearly inadequate to protect the public from diet-related illnesses, as is clearly evident, you guys, by the trends in the diets of Americans in terms of diabetes and heart disease and all the other shit that comes from just feeding your body trash every single day. The food industry markets, they know that humans have like this natural taste preference and probably at this point a genetic disposition for foods that are high in fat and high in sugar. That's the stuff that tastes good. It's the stuff that you get addicted to. It's the stuff that keeps you coming back for more. It's where you can't break the cycle in your brain. You know, you, you, you can't only eat just one. You know the saying. Who eats two Oreos? Who eats a Girl Scout cookie? Who has one Dorito? Almost fucking nobody. You have to be almost like a, a straight serial killer to do that. The point is, is that they know. They know what you like. And they know the mix of what you like. They know the colors, the taste, the flavor, the thickness. They're smarter than you think. They employ a lot of really intelligent people to, you know, I guess if you want to visualize a palm reaching out and grasping you. And they got a hold of you. Just like big tobacco. Really no different in my opinion. Except food is probably worse. Because you have to eat and drink. You don't got to smoke cigarettes. But you got to eat and drink. And the preferences, um, obviously, you know, that, that you have. And not everything might come to you, but a lot of stuff does. But understanding, like, you know, Food is essential for survival and um, and for for health, honestly. Like, you have to eat or you're going to obviously drop dead. But we are really far from move from, like, our primitive ancestors and uh, in terms of how their diet was compared to ours. And I'm not saying all of our stuff is, is worse than theirs. Obviously, we have access to a lot more healthy things, which is great. But you have way too many choices. It's like, a, it's like Netflix now when you turn around like, what the hell am I going to watch? There's way too many movies. There's way too many shows. It's kind of what I think about the grocery store. There's way too many choices here for people. You shouldn't have nine different kinds of Doritos. I'm glad we live in America and you do and you can fill your face and be as fat and gross as you want. I, I love freedom of choice most definitely, but it seems a little excessive, right? But regardless, um, it's easier to market foods that are higher in calories um, 
particularly when those foods are cheaper to produce to people. And that's why you're seeing, you know, you get a box of Captain Crunch for two bucks or whatever it is. You get a bag of Doritos for two dollars. It's pretty cheap in comparison to, you know, how much asparagus you can get, how much, you know, organic grass-fed beef you can get. And obviously the primary source of these cheap calories um, are plants and animals from farms using modern yield-enhancing technologies. And that's going to obviously lead to a lack of nutrient density because we are encouraging overconsumption while enhancing the food industry profits. We're, we're enhancing, you know, profits for these companies because we're overconsuming the foods. They, they don't want you to eat two Doritos. They want you to eat 22 Doritos. That's why they make them that flavor and that thickness and that size and make the bag that color and then they go placement in the stores. There's a lot that goes into this that I don't think people understand. They're not just going, oh, we're going to make a, a product that people can enjoy in moderation. That's not what they want to do, and that's not what they're trying to do. But you as the consumer have to be more educated. Some logical health consequences um, come from, from the behaviors we've been putting into place. Like I mentioned before, obesity, diabetes, and heart disease. This comes from the shit that we're putting in our bodies. If we exercised and ate better and took care of ourselves, we could eradicate a lot of these things. I think, you know... A lot sooner uh, than later, but here we are, and uh, we're kind of, you know, you made your bed, now you, you have to lie in it, and I'll share this real quick. Um, in the 1930s, um, the real food security of our nation still, you know, depends on keeping farmland in the trusted care of family farmers who are committed to maintaining, you know, fertility and productivity of the land while producing safe, nutritious food for all. And rather than um, obviously, you know, subsidizing the industrialization of agriculture and promoting cheap uh, farm policies, we focused on sustaining uh, smaller independent family farms and people who are personally committed to producing good food for families and their neighbors and providing food um, security for the nation. And our food, you know, costs a bit more. And we may consume a bit less, but I think we have to get back to that, right? Like, I think we really need to. I think if you if you think, and again, I don't know, I mean, that's kind of like, it's too far gone, right? It, it's how I think of, and again, I'm not a political person, but it's like the government, you know, the way I think about it. It's it's probably really hard to, to, to get into government and keep all your same um, promises and your same ideology and you know I'm going to get in there and I'm going to change the world and you're going to do what's best and you're gonna, you're never going to bend and you're never going to fold and then you get into it and you're like man you know the game is fucked like the, the game is too far gone it's it's too you know it, it's too corrupt it's too this way it's too that way and you got to like you got to change some of your beliefs and ideologies and and then sometimes that's for the better but sometimes you're you know it's like don't hit the player you hit the game right because the game is the game is screwed. It's like you're the one you want to get into cycling, but you don't want to do steroids uh, and all the performance enhancing drugs. And then you get into cycling. And you're like, well, fuck, everybody's doing drugs. I can't win if I don't do the drugs. So I got to do the drugs, too. And I also got to lie about it. That's the way I think of, of, of government uh, a lot of times. And it's just it's a game, man. And, and these guys are doing, you know, what, what them maybe what they think is best or they're doing what they have to do. And I think of that in terms of the food industry, too. Right. 
like you want to be a player, but the game is so, you know, it's rigged against you. And I think what we have to do is instead of like going this mass scale and subsidizing um, the industrialization of food and we can't keep promoting and producing so much cheap shit are I do think and there's a lot there's a lot of good companies out there like uh like butcher box does a good job and there's some other ones I've listened to recently and connected with where they're focusing on farm policies that are sustainable the smaller you know organic independent family farms where they really do have this personal commitment to producing really good food for themselves, for their families, for their neighbors, and providing good food security for our nation. And they might not be able to do it at as big of a scale, but that's okay. And again, your food is probably going to cost a little bit more. And you might consume a little bit less, which I think for all of us is probably okay. But only then, you know, will Americans be really, you know, well-fed and well-nourished, more so. And not overfed, but just well-fed. And not undernourished, but nourished to, to the point of where they need to be in terms of eating enough, you know, protein, produce and water and washing and rinsing and repeating that over time. And again, I'll link this in the show notes. Uh, I rambled on a lot here about this, but I do think it's important that we moving forward become, you know, a nation that's not overfed and undernourished, but a nation that's well fed. And that's well-nourished. And I think that's the only way we fix a lot of these problems. Because they're not going to give you a pill to make diabetes go away. They're not going to come up with a fucking pill to make obesity go away. And all the other chronic things that come with that and that make you feel and move like a bag of shit. That's not going to happen. There's only two things that work. it's, It's getting up and moving around and eating real food consistently. And you just wash, rinse, repeat that over time. There's nothing else that works. If there's if there was you guys, I would sell it to you in a heartbeat. And uh, there's two things that work. You got to work. You got to work out. You got to exercise and do something. I'm not saying you have to come do what we do here, uh, but you have to exercise. I think some form of strength training matters. That's the only way you can increase bone density, especially as you age. So you got to at some point you got to put some resistance on the body. You just do. You, and you got to do some things that maybe suck sometimes. That that make you out of breath. That make the muscles burn. That make you get sweaty. That's just part of life. You know that resistance build strength in, in more ways than one. And you have to, to put nutrient-dense, real whole food into your body. If it's organic, even better. And you got to do that consistently for the rest of your life. If not, you're going to get fat and sick and die. That's it. Or just be fat and sick. And then eventually you'll just die of whatever cause you're going to die from anyway. But even if this, again, I, I talk about this all the time, even if this didn't prolong your life, not even for a fucking day, the quality of your life increased. The quality of your life increased most definitely. That's the key. Like, even if I dropped dead tomorrow, the time I was here, how I felt, how productive I was, it was worth it. It really was. And uh, I would never want to walk around in a body that I absolutely hate and despise and feel terrible in. And knowing that it was something that I did to myself. Because I just didn't want to put in the effort to train and I fed my body all this horseshit fake processed food and it's tough man I get it it's really hard to get out of the cycle but you have the ability to do that you really do and if you know better you do better and the more if you're listening to this you know now 
like you can make these changes. And again, I always say it, I, I think it's important to invest money into the food that you eat. I really do. It, uh, it makes all the difference in the world. So hopefully that made sense to you guys. And hopefully you got something out of this. I know it's uh, it's a lot of, you know, technical jargon about, you know, how we process foods and, and how we put them together. And again, I do think I could do one on labels too, like how some of the organic labeling or like the grass fed labeling, sometimes they snow you and bullshit you. And it's really tough to do again. This is a business. These things are, are out there to make money. And it, it's tough. Sometimes you have to really educate yourself. It's why I think in school, if we learned more about this and less about, you know, just geometry and I'm not bagging on geometry. I'm sure a lot of people need to know it. I don't know shit about it. And in my life personally, this would have saved me so much pain and trouble and heartache and, you know, personal health problems. If I learned some of these things before learning, like, you know, what a fucking trapezoid was, but, uh, that's, that's my own soapbox on school. So take it for what it is. You guys, hopefully it's helpful. Uh, again, reminder, uh, if you guys want to pick up any of the beam CBD products, beamtlc.com, the code is Jeremy Scott for 35% off all subscriptions, 20% off all products. And, uh, if you want to sample, hit me up, we'll send it to you. Same thing for athletic greens, athleticgreens.com forward slash Jeremy Scott, your supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with order one. And I can have Monica send you the packs right to your front door as well. If you guys are interested in checking those out, other than that, what do I got going on here? Um, our next program that we will run will be our. Sunday Advanced Metcon, we turn this into an entire program, which is uh, which is super cool, and it will be coming out. Um, I think it's got to be June, right? So I got to really move my ass. Uh, all the stuff is filmed; it's already done. Matt has to do his part. Monica has to do her part, and then we'll put that together. We'll probably do these in seasons, so we'll, we'll call this like season one of the Sunday Advanced Metcon series because now we have like so many of them, and they're not the exact same. Uh, videos you watch on IGTV. We've refilmed these in 4K. They're longer. The coaching cues are, are more broken down. And then obviously we coach you guys every step of the way. And hopefully we're putting them together in a way that makes logical sense. They're really challenging. So we're going to have to do like an every other day format because otherwise your body seems to be beat to shit. And I want you guys to feel good and move good, but also really challenge you. So it'll be interesting. It's the first time we've been doing it and I'm excited about it. You guys asked for them. So we put it together in a program and it'll be cool. So we got that going on. Um, tonight I'm going to dinner with, uh, Alexia Clark and Hannah Eden and their significant others as well as my wife. So that'll be fun. A lot of fitness, a lot of, a lot of fitness, gangsters all at once i really i mean if i wasn't uh fit i would start to have a complex because in the last two days i've had colleen fosh in here um you know i believe she'll be a future olympian you know uh, one of the fittest crossfit games athletes of all time you know former you know all-american she's super fit and none of them have dinner with alexia who i just had in the podcast recently super fit and then hannah super fit so I'm like, well, fuck, dude, I got to keep doing this. And I'm the old man of the room. So I'm uh, leading from the front here, I guess. But it's always nice. It's inspiring. Uh, it's fun. You know, I've seen both of them multiple times, but they have not seen each other in a very long time. And all three of us in the same room at the same time has not happened in a while. And actually, tomorrow morning, we're going to do a podcast together on Hannah's podcast. I don't know the name of it yet. I think she's just starting it off. But I'll share that with you guys as we go. We'll wrap, we'll catch up, talk about a lot of bullshit, and uh, peel back the layers of uh, what we got going on in our lives. So that's what I'm doing tonight. 
and uh, i got to get my ass back up here in the morning. So I appreciate you guys as always. If you happen to be on Apple Podcasts, um, once you're done listening, scroll your finger all the way down on the app. Drop a five-star, leave a comment. I truly would appreciate it. And again, if you guys got questions on Athletic Greens or on Beam, any of the JLab stuff, any of our programs that are running here in the future, if you're ever coming to Scottsdale and you want to somehow try to make it in here, as long as you're not a creep show, um, you're always welcome. If you give us enough lead time and, and if we can make it squeeze into a group, we're happy to squeeze you guys in. So I appreciate you guys on YouTube. Thank you for watching. Everyone else, uh, until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please, you guys, Keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.